A suspect who drove a car into a parade of children in Wisconsin was out on bail thanks to the left's criminal justice strategy. And after Kyle Rittenhouse's acquittal, the media doubled down on their lying narrative. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their internet. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. And unfortunately, there is plenty of news. First, let's remind you that Black Friday is coming up. But here's the thing. You don't have to wait to Black Friday to start saving today. You probably should start saving by switching over your cell phone coverage, for example, from one of the big carriers over to Pure Talk USA. You can actually cut your cell phone bill in half by switching over to Pure Talk. Pure Talk gives you a killer 5G coverage on one of the largest 5G networks in the country and still saves the average family over $800 a year. I made the switch. The coverage is excellent. Their US-based customer service actually cares about you and Pure Talk's prices, again, pretty much wholesale. Unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. You can keep your number, you can keep your phone, or this month you can get Black Friday prices on new phones, like the iPhone 12 for just $479. They have a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so you literally have nothing to lose. Head on over to puretalk.com, shop for the plan and phone that's right for you, then enter promo code SHAPIRO, and you'll save 50% off your first month and save on a new phone. That is puretalk.com, promo code SHAPIRO. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Head on over to puretalk.com. Shop for the plan that's right for you. Enter promo code Shapiro. Save 50% off your first month and save on a new phone. Alrighty, so the big news of the weekend is this horrific incident in Waukesha, Wisconsin. According to the UK Daily Mail, at least five people have been killed and 40 injured, including at least 12 children after a speeding SUV plowed into a Christmas parade taking place in a suburban town near Milwaukee on Sunday. A red Ford Escape broke through barriers in in Waukesha, Wisconsin, around 4.40 p.m. as the parade was taking place, drove at speed through crowds, sending bodies flying as horrified families watched on helplessly. We're not going to show you the video because it really is pretty horrific, and it doesn't add anything here. You can just see kids marching down the street, and then this Ford SUV, which you can't really, you, you have no idea why it's there, just plowing through people. Apparently, some gunshots were fired as well. Police originally said a person of interest was in custody. No arrests had been made. Chief Daniel Thompson said no motive had been established, but the officers are not discounting it terrorism. Officers are also looking into the possibility the suspect was fleeing an earlier incident involving a knife when he reached the parade, which would be unbelievable if this guy was involved in a knife crime and then was running from the cops and decided, hey, while I'm at it, I may as well run over a few school children. Truly an act of evil. Thompson said one officer fired at the vehicle in an unsuccessful bid to stop it, with witnesses saying it sped along the parade route and did not slow down, even as it hit a schoolgirls dance troupe and elderly members of the Milwaukee Dancing Grannies, along with families sitting by the side of the road. Dozens of pieces of footage ended up capturing the carnage, revealing the car traveled at least three blocks down the parade route before breaking through barriers and speeding away. A picture captured later at an unknown location showed what appeared to be the vehicle involved, backed onto a driveway with the hood badly dented and bent up. It's unclear how the vehicle came to be there. Police have not revealed exactly how the suspect was arrested. Just horrific all the way through. And there's lots of speculation at this point about the motive of this person, about whether this person was, in fact, involved in an earlier crime that day. I don't, on this show, talk about the identities of mass shooters or mass killers or terrorists. I do talk about who they are and what they did, but I I don't reveal names on this show because we don't wish to inspire copycats or give attention to some of the worst people on earth. What we do know at this point is that this person does have a criminal record. He's a 39-year-old black male from Milwaukee County, a felon. And apparently, according to Wisconsin right now, Milwaukee, their court system suspended his speedy trial rights due to court congestion. They released him on $500 bail, even though he was facing a serious weapons 
and other felony charge. Then, even though he was socked with a string of new felony charges, he was released again on $1,000 bail three days before the parade massacre. This guy has a rap sheet as long as your arm. Milwaukee County has a really long backlog of criminal cases. And because of bail reform, this notion that if you are poor, you should not be held in jail because you can't pay the bail. So instead, we'll release you onto the streets for a minimal amount of money, like $1,000. Now you have criminals who are back walking the streets. And this is a perfect case in point of that. According to Judge Mary Trigiano, we've taken this pandemic very seriously, as well we should, including the variants. We're being very careful. This is with regard to the backlogs and the and the unwillingness to keep people in jail. So a lot of people who uh, have been committing crimes, again, are back out on the streets. On social media, the suspect apparently showed animus toward police, posted unhappiness about the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, as well as uh, George Floyd's death, quoted Malcolm X. We don't have a full motive at this point. What we do know is that this person should not have been on the street. Apparently, the Department of Justice criminal record history includes many of these arrests. Arrested in 1999 for a carry concealed weapon charge. In 1999, he was also arrested for aggravated battery felony. That was dismissed. Concealing, carrying a concealed weapon, non-criminal disposition not reported in 2000. More arrests for aggravated battery felony convicted. Probation. Resisting. Misdemeanor dismissed. Cocaine possession misdemeanor. 2002, resisting, non-criminal, take and drive vehicle without consent, habitual criminal felony dismissed, no prosecution. 2003, resisting, misdemeanor convicted. 2005, resisting, misdemeanor, receiving stolen property, misdemeanor dismissed, possessed stolen, uh, possessed controlled substance dismissed. 2009, paternity warrant non-criminal, resisting officer non-criminal, resisting misdemeanor convicted. 2010, felony strangulation and suffocation, domestic abuse, amended complaint filed convicted, misdemeanor battery, Dismissed. Criminal damage to property. Dismissed. 2011. Probation violation. Felony. Hold for probation authorities. Extradition request. Disposition not reported. Resisting. Convicted. THC possession. Paternity warrant. Possessed with intent to deliver THC. Convicted. Bail jumping. Convicted. This is is only up to 2011, by the way. You still have another 10 years on this guy's record to go. 2012. Probation violation. Turned over to probation authorities. Bail jumping felony. No prosecution. Failure to appear. Multiple. Bail jumping misdemeanor. Two counts. No prosecution. Resisting. No prosecution. Extradition. Possess THC felony. Case dismissed. 2020. Firearm convicted of out-of-state felony. Charge issued. Possession of meth. Dismissed. Endangering safety domestic abuse. Reckless use of firearm. Charge issued. 2021. Paternity warrant. Non-criminal. Again, this is according to Wisconsin right now. So this guy has a rap sheet that just goes on forever, forever. And he was out on bail on $1,000 bail after having been arrested like three days beforehand for bail jumping. So the strategy apparently in, in Milwaukee County is somebody jumps bail. If you capture them, you should have them post bail, which they will then, then jump. Makes perfect sense. But this is broad, part of a broader prosecutorial strategy that the left has imposed on major cities across the United States. You want to know one of the reasons why I've seen a major uptick in crime in major cities across the United States over the past few years. It's because prosecutorial strategy has changed dramatically. It's because people like George Soros have poured millions of dollars over the past seven, eight years into electing left-wing prosecutors across the country. We'll get to more of this in just one moment. First, let's talk about a a simple fact. You need a great sofa in your home. You do. So you have a great mattress already because you listen to me, right? And you bought a Helix Sleep mattress. Well, now Helix has gone beyond mattresses and now they are making sofas. They have a new company. It's called Allform. They're making premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped directly to your door. So 
What makes an all-form sofa really cool? Well, for starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric. It is spill-stain scratch-resistant. The sofa color, the color of the leg, sofa size and shape, make sure it's perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. You can always start small and buy more seats later on if you want your all-form sofa to grow and change with you when you move. All-form sofas are also delivered directly to your door. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, you need to hire somebody to come and put that thing together. But I've done it myself. It's really easy to put the all-form together. It is super comfortable. We have a three-seat sofa with chaise in the sand color with espresso legs. It sits in our bedroom right now. If getting a sofa without trying it in store sounds a little risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. More than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally for the rest of time. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash Ben. Find that perfect sofa today, allform.com slash Ben. That's allform.com slash Ben. So remember, this sort of activity has been championed by the left. Prosecutions, prosecutors letting criminals out of jail. Jeffrey Tubin who used to be more famous as a legal commentator. Now he's more famous for not being able to keep his junk in his pants. He wrote a piece in 2015 for New Yorker magazine called The Milwaukee Experiment. What can one prosecutor do about the mass incarceration of African-Americans? Quote, like many people in the criminal justice system, John Chisholm, the district attorney in Milwaukee County, has been concerned for a long time about the racial imbalance in American prisons. The issue is especially salient in Wisconsin, where African-Americans constitute only 6% of the population, but 37% of those in state prison. According to a study from University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, as of 2010, 13% of the state's African-American men of working age were behind bars, nearly double the national average of 6.7%. The figures were especially stark for Milwaukee County, where more than half of African-American men in their 30s had served time in state prison. How, Chisholm wondered, did the work of his own office contribute to these numbers? Could a DA do anything to change them? Now, this is the part that's amazing, right? Because this is the animating philosophy behind so much of the Democratic Party these days, is if a disproportionate number of people from a particular group are in jail, it must be because the system is evil and corrupt. Now, here's the problem. The result of that sort of thinking means letting criminals out of jail based on race and class. That's what it means. It means that if you wish to have fewer black people in jail, you're going to have to either identify people who are innocent and shouldn't be in jail, or you're going to have to let criminals out of jail. And people who supposedly need to be let out on bail after having jumped bail multiple times, which is apparently what happened in this particular case in Waukesha. Chisholm decided to let independent researchers examine how he used his prosecutorial discretion. Over several years, Chisholm allowed the researchers to question his staff members and look at their files. The conclusions were disturbing. According to the Vera study, prosecutors in Milwaukee declined to prosecute 41% of whites arrested for possession of drug paraphernalia compared with 27% of blacks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Chisholm decided his office would undertake initiatives to try to send fewer people to prison while maintaining public safety. How's that going for you over there, John? Going great for you, is it? By the way, if the case is that he's letting too many white people off, then arrest more white people who are criminals and put them in prison. Do not let criminals out of jail. Nobody has an interest in letting criminals out of jail in order to, quote unquote, even out the numbers. Chisholm said that prosecutors should be judged by their success in reducing mass incarceration and achieving racial equality. How it are, excuse me, prosecutors should be judged on how the crime rates go down. That is the only thing prosecutors should be judged on. We have an adversarial system to protect defendants. It is not the job of prosecutors to determine whether mass incarceration is a thing or achieving, quote unquote, racial equality in outcomes is a thing. That's not the prosecutor's job. The prosecutor should not be looking to wait. We have too many black people in prison. I guess this criminal who is black should not be in prison because he's black. That's insane. That's insane. 
And there's a reason why I've seen a spiking murder rate in Milwaukee over the last couple of years. Chisholm's efforts have drawn attention across the country. Cyrus Vance, Manhattan District Attorney, said, quote, John is a national leader in law enforcement because he is genuinely interested in trying to achieve the right results, not only in individual cases, but in larger policy issues as well. Chisholm reflects a growing national sentiment that the criminal justice system has failed African-Americans. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So th this has been the shtick. Right? The shtick for a very long time is that, is that prosecutors of the left are doing a great job by evening out the numbers. That is the thing that, that means the most. He said the racial disparity spoke for itself, starting with the disparities in the state prison system. But there were very significant disparities in specific categories. The one that stood out the most was low-level drug offenders, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia. Things were clear. There were clearly a disparate number of African-Americans being charged and processed for these offenses. He says, when I first saw the data, I thought, here is some good news. Because apparently it said that we charge white offenders for property crimes at a higher rate than we do black offenders for those kinds of cases. I thought, good, here's a disparity the other way around. But a deputy of mine pointed out what the data really meant was we devalue property crimes in the center city. We don't charge a car theft. Okay, well, that's right. So then the question is, why are you not charging the drug distribution cases? Why are you not charging the felony bail jumping cases? It's just incredible. So the, the entire basis for criminal justice in Wisconsin has been rooted, apparently, in this Michelle Alexander, new Jim Crow, if too many black people are in prison, it's because America is racist philosophy, as opposed to you're a prosecutor, lower the crime rate by arresting criminals who committed crimes. Again, if you want to make the case, these people are innocent. If you want to make these case, these people shouldn't be in jail. Make the case they shouldn't be in jail. But you can't make the case they shouldn't be in jail when they are criminals. And you shouldn't be allowing them to roam the streets, ramming cars into children because you want to establish racial equity. Are you insane? Again, the, the murder rate in Wisconsin is out of control. By the way, Milwaukee police have only solved like 58% of homicides last year in 2020 compared to 68% in 2019. The rate thus far this year in Milwaukee is 34%. Their murder rate is out of control. There were 190 homicides in Milwaukee last year. 190. Okay, but this is supposed to be a big, a big win for this prosecutor? Insane. According to the Medical College of Wisconsin, there have been 941 victims in homicides by firearm, homicides by non-firearm, or non-fatal shootings in Wisconsin in 2020. Okay, that is a jump from 542 in 2019. So, Really well done. And, and here's the problem. This is a national strategy, okay? This is not just in Milwaukee. It's not just in Waukesha. Okay, this is a national strategy by the left. You can see it happening. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that there are 10 million job openings, but only about 7 million unemployed job seekers. So if you are a person who's seeking to hire, you really need to make sure that your job gets seen by the right people. Employers are having to go above and beyond to entice people to want to work for them. They're offering pet insurance and legal services and providing identity theft protection. Well, if you're trying to grow your team and you're having trouble hiring, you need to use ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. Then it proactively presents these candidates to you. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job, which encourages them to apply faster. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site in the United States based on G2 ratings. 
ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. Right now, you can write ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire, which is why we've been using it here at Daily Wire for years. Okay, so as I say, this is a broad strategy by the left, okay? And it's financed by people like George Soros. I know that the media want you never to say George Soros' name because it's supposedly anti-Semitic to point out that George Soros funds wild left-wing causes. He does, okay? I'm an Orthodox Jew. I can say whatever the hell I want about George Soros. George Soros is a left-wing fanatic. And he has spent billions of dollars on various left-wing causes around the globe. He is a very bad man. <laughs> he does very bad things. And the left celebrates him for it. Politico reported back in 2016, quote, George Soros's quiet overhaul of the U.S. justice system. Quote, while America's political kingmakers inject their millions into high-profile presidential and congressional contests, Democratic megadonor George Soros has directed his wealth into an under-the-radar 2016 campaign to advance one of the progressive movement's core goals, reshaping the American justice system. The billionaire financier has, has channeled more than $3 million into seven local district attorney campaigns in six states over the past year, a sum that exceeds the total spent on the 2016 presidential campaign by all but a handful of rival super donors. His money has supported African-American and Hispanic candidates for these local powerful roles, all of whom ran on platforms sharing major goals of Soros, like reducing racial disparities in sentencing, directing some drug offenders to diversion programs instead of to trial. It is by far the most tangible action in a progressive push to find, prepare, and finance criminal justice reform-oriented candidates for jobs that have been held by longtime incumbents and serve as pipelines to the federal courts. Andrea Dustiel, president of Emerge America, a candidate training organization for Democratic women, says the prosecutor exercises the greatest discretion and power in the system. It is so important. There's been a confluence of events in the past couple of years. All of a sudden, the progressive community is waking up to this. Soros has spent on DA campaigns in Florida, Illinois, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Texas. This is as of 2017. Through a network of state-level super PACs and a national 527 unlimited money group, each named a variation of safety and justice. Each organization received most of its money directly from Soros. And again, this is not just in blue states. This is in red states as well. This is how you see left-wing prosecutors in places like Florida, left-wing prosecutors in places like Louisiana. And this stuff has some pretty predictable effects. You know why it's happening. Okay, You know why the crime rates are going up in a wide variety of areas. Again, fast forward 2021. This is an article from July of this year. Quote, Politico. Four wealthy donors fuel overhaul of California's criminal justice system. The social justice movement has never lacked for energy. Last year's police killing of George Floyd sparked waves of support for BLM. Progressive donors in recent years have strategically targeted prosecutor races in major cities because district attorneys wield power over sentencing and investigations. In California, social justice advocates are preparing to defend the state's top prosecutor, Attorney General Rob Bonta, who is closely aligned with the reform movement and, is, and was one of the nation's most liberal AGs. The last 10 years has been the biggest shift I've seen in terms of philanthropic interest in this issue, says Lenore Anderson, who heads Californians for Safety and Justice. When you have that shift, the door is open because you're with the winds of change. In California, few causes get far without a pile of money. Four donors, Patty Quillen, Quinn Delaney, Elizabeth Simons, and Caitlin Krieger, channeled $22 million toward criminal justice ballot measures and allied candidates the previous two years. Their campaign contributions have steadily increased each election cycle. They spent $3.7 million alone to elect George, George Gascon, 
who rode the social justice wave that swept over America last summer to, un to unseat incumbent LADA Jackie, Jackie Lacey in November. Gascon, by the way, has then proceeded to completely wreck the city of Los Angeles even worse than it was by failing to prosecute criminals. Quillen is a philanthropist and the wife of Netflix CEO Reed Hastings. Simons is a former teacher and daughter of hedge fund billionaire and philanthropist James Simons, Krieger and her husband, Instagram co-founder Mike Krieger, running criminal justice nonprofit. Hey, and of course, George Soros has given some money here as well. In 2018, an organization funded by Soros supplied the most money for the California DA races. And by the way, this is exactly how San Francisco ended up with Chesa Bowden in San Francisco. Right? Bowden is a wild left prosecutor in San Francisco. And because Bowden is wild left, you end up with scenes like this. So over the weekend, 80 looters simultaneously broke into a Nordstrom near San Francisco. Here's a little bit of the video. Take a look behind me. You can see some of the uh, doors and windows of that Louis Vuitton store smashed, glass littering the sidewalk. Several streets around Union Square had to be blocked off and still are. According to a police source, uh, this began as a smash and grab, then turned into a robbery a little after 8 p.m. Spoke to one witness who says that more than a dozen people could be seen running out of the store, clinging to merchandise and hauling as much as they could. Uh, at one point, SFPD officers could be seen surrounding a gray convertible Mustang with one patrol car blocking it. Several officers taking their batons to smash out the windows. Source telling us that at least one person inside that car had to be taken to the hospital. Okay, so people just showing up at Louis Vuitton, just robbing the place, just like taking the entire place down. According to the Washington Post, drivers blared their horns Saturday evening as dozens of thieves carrying luggage and bags darted from a Nordstrom department store near San Francisco and hopped into cars waiting for them outside. All but three of the 80 or so looters escaped, police said. Two store employees were assaulted. One was pepper sprayed by the intruders, according to officers in Walnut Creek. That's a city about 25 miles east of San Francisco. The spectacle Saturday night was one of several incidents of looting and shoplifting reported at high-end retail stores around the Bay Area over the weekend. So the Friday night Louis Vuitton hit, that was in Union Square. On Sunday night, officers in Hayward, about a 30-minute drive from San Francisco, were investigating after a group of smash-and-grab burglars destroyed glass cabinets and stole merchandise from a mall jewelry store. San Francisco DA Chase Bowden, right, one of these lefties elected by George Soros' money, said, these crimes are happening around the Bay and across the country. I stand in partnership with our local, regional, state, and federal partners as we work together to do whatever it takes to keep you safe, except for arresting criminals and keeping them in jail because we obviously wouldn't want an unequal number of black and white people in jail. Forget about who's committing the crimes. The only thing that matters is that we have an equitable distribution of convictions. That's the only thing that matters. And by equitable, they mean equitable to the racial population, not equitable to the amount of crime that's being committed. So here's the question. How many people have to die for the equity vision? Really, how many criminals have to be put out on the streets because of the vision of equity? Because of the lie that if too many people of one particular race end up in prison because too many people of one particular race are committing crimes, this is because the system itself is racist. You can make the argument there's too much crime in particular demographics because of history and the racism of history. But making the argument the system itself is responsible right now for too many black people looting Louis Vuitton is ridiculous. It's ridiculous on its face, and it ends with more crime and more people being harmed, particularly, by the way, more people in the black community as a generality. Now, th there are consequences to the narrative the left puts out, and those consequences are incredibly dire. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's talk about a simple truth 
Okay, the simple truth is that you need to sleep at night. So I got to admit, got some stuff going on right now that's uh, keeping me awake at night. But when I finally am able to calm down enough to sleep, it's mainly because I have a great set of sheets. I am talking about Bull and Branch. This Cyber Week, Bull and Branch is offering their best deal of the entire year. If last night's sleep was not incredible, their sheets will make all the difference. With Bull and Branch, you can get the best sleep of your life with their highest quality organic cotton sheets. These sheets are so good that once I got Bull and Branch, I, you can't go back. I, I literally took all of our other sheets and I threw them out. When you shop Bull and Branch during Cyber Week, you're supporting a family-run business that crafts the highest quality, toxin-free, pure organic cotton bed sheets. They are fantastic. Husband and wife team Scott and Missy Tannen founded Bull and Branch to create a new standard in bedding by doing the things the right way, not the easy way. Their signature hem sheets, those are the all-time bestseller. They're beloved for so many reasons, like how they got softer with every single wash. This Cyber Week, give your loved ones the best sleep of their lives or treat yourself with Bull and Branch. Their holiday packaging and famously soft sheets, blankets, pillows, and more make a difference everyone will feel. Get 25% off from November 23rd through December 2nd with the best offer of the year at bullandbranch.com. That's 25% off at B-O-L-L and branch.com. Exclusions may apply. Alrighty. So, meanwhile, it is it is part of this broader narrative that the left has has suggested that everything they don't like in America is due to racism, which means the cure is never going to be a cure. Just as the problem of too many people going to jail in the black community is not a problem of the system itself being racist. It is a problem with too many people committing crimes. It turns out a great way to avoid jail is not to commit crimes. I know this is really, really difficult and complex stuff, but suffice it to say, if you don't smash and grab at Louis Vuitton, you're not going to get arrested for smashing and grabbing in Louis Vuitton as a general rule. Yeah, none of these prosecutors are letting people off because they think they're innocent. They're letting them off because they believe that there are too many black people in prison, which is unjust. Okay, justice has to be done on the basis of what you do, not on the basis of what a prosecutor feels about the state of play with regard to racial disparities in the United States. But that's exactly, these narratives have consequences. And you can see those narratives forming and being reified in real time with regard to things like Kyle Rittenhouse. So last week, Kyle Rittenhouse gets acquitted on Friday afternoon. That is a, a correct criminal justice decision. It happened because Kyle Rittenhouse was not guilty. Okay, he committed the acts that he did in self-defense, that is perfectly obvious. But the media responded to Rittenhouse's acquittal by suggesting that it was, once again, evidence of more deep-seated American racism. Of course, of course, of course, it always is. By the way, ignoring other cases that were happening in the country that demonstrate precisely the opposite. So, for example, here are a couple of cases that I'm sure you did not hear about over, over the weekend. So there's a man named Andrew Coffey IV, same weekend, he was found not guilty on all counts of murder and attempted first-degree murder. Is in Vero Beach, Florida. Coffee is a black man. He was accused of firing at Indian River County Sheriff's deputies during an early morning drug raid at his home back in 2017. His girlfriend, Alteria Woods, was caught in the crossfire, shot 10 times, and later died. Coffee was charged with the murder of Woods after a grand jury exonerated two law enforcement officers for her death. Before the case went to the jury's hand, Coffee took the stand to defend himself. He blamed the deputies for his girlfriend's death. The defense said that Coffey was asleep and thought the flashbang was gunfire, so he fired his gun because he thought he was under attack. He said, I was trying to protect me and Alteria. I thought I was doing that. I feel I didn't protect her. I can't sleep with that. They killed her. The prosecutors said deputies did announce they were there. They say Coffey then fired at the deputies and they returned fire. Coffey was found guilty on account of possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, which could have a penalty of up to 30 years in prison, but he was found not guilty in the murder of Woods. The Indian River County Sheriff Eric Flowers released a statement saying it's disappointing this jury did not see the tragic death of Alteria Woods occurred as a direct result of the actions of Andrew Coffey IV. Again, 
Apparently what happened is that they announced themselves. He got up, he fired at the cops and he shot his girlfriend in the process. And he was not convicted of that. But he's he's black. I was informed in the United States. This means that he would definitely go to jail, especially if he was innocent. And meanwhile, again, same weekend, a white Missouri police detective was found guilty on Friday in the death of a black man who was fatally shot in 2019 as he sat in a pickup truck outside his home. Judge J. Dale Youngs ruled that the detective Eric J. De Valcaneri of the Kansas City Police Department had no reason to go to the property of Cameron Lamb, 26, who was shot twice as he was backing into his garage on December 3rd, 2019. The detective and another detective had driven to Mr. Lamb's house after receiving a report about a traffic accident involving a truck that, that Lamb was driving. They didn't have a warrant. They didn't have reason to believe a crime had been committed when they rushed into Lamb's backyard and confronted him. The prosecutors also suggested that the police had planted evidence at the scene to make it look as if Lamb had a gun. The judge rejected the detective's claim. He believed Lamb was going to shoot his partner and convicted the officer of second-degree involuntary manslaughter and armed criminal action. That carries a charge of three years in prison. The detective and his partner, he is white, they said that, he, that they were initial aggressors in the encounter with Cameron Lamb on December 3rd, 2019, according to Judge Youngs. And uh, the detective was also suspended without pay pending termination after the decision, of course. So what happened to America is systemically racist, but the, the narrative must be maintained because, again, if the narrative is not maintained, this might mean that we might treat people as individuals and we might jail criminals and we might hold people accountable for their own actions. And that the left can't have that because they need to reshape all of society along the lines that equity can be achieved only by alleviating all disparities, even if those disparities are due to individual actions that falls disproportionately within groups. Okay, so the aftermath of the of the trial happened over the weekend. Kyle Rittenhouse, here was here was his reaction to being acquitted last week. The jury reached the correct verdict. Self-defense is not illegal. I believe they came to the correct verdict, and I'm glad that everything went well. And it's been a rough journey, but we made it through it. Hey, meanwhile, Rittenhouse's attorney said that if he had to do it again, he wouldn't go. Everybody wants Kyle to show some contrition and say he's sorry. Um, hindsight is 2020, and when I've talked to Kyle, if he had to do it all over again, he wouldn't go there. But that clock cannot be unwound. What happened happened, and we have to live in the real world, not what we wish happened. Okay. So the important thing is the media reaction to this, because the media drive the narrative. And if that narrative is that America is a deeply racist place, and every incident they will just lie about in order to reinforce that narrative, that drives bad policymaking decisions by the public. Because if you believe that America is a deeply racist place, and that disparities in, for example, criminal populations between black and white are solely due to American racism, you're more likely to elect a progressive prosecutor who puts criminals back out on the street in the name of equity. And the media are just botching the story. And they're not just botching it. I mean, because remember, this story is over. We've known all the facts in this case for a year, but we really know them now because the case is over. And we saw all the evidence presented at trial by the prosecution. It doesn't matter. The media have their case and they're pressing it forward and they are lying about it, like openly lying. The Detroit Free Press said on Sunday, quote, in August 2020, Jacob Blake was shot and killed by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's not dead. The hell are you talking about? That's not even true. Okay, and the media are repeating stuff like this. There's a paper in the UK that reported that Kyle Rittenhouse had shot, and, had shot three black people. All three of the people he shot were white. 
Meanwhile, you have MSNBC's Tiffany Cross going on national television and calling Rittenhouse a, quote, little murderous white supremacist. The fact that white supremacists roam the halls of Congress freely and celebrate this little murderous white supremacist and the fact that he gets to walk the streets freely, it lets you know these people have access to instituting uh, laws. They represent the legislative branch of this country. What are we to make of that? Uh, well, I hope that she enjoys the defamation lawsuit. That's what we ought to make of that. Little murderous white supremacist. She doesn't have every word that she says there is untrue. He is, he is not a white supremacist and he is not a murderer by the law. So I hope that she really enjoys her summons for the, for the defamation lawsuit, for the subpoena. That, that, that'll, be, that'll be fun to preserve all of her papers and all of this. Meanwhile, CNN's Van Jones says we now have a pattern of white vigilantes. Again, the, the narrative must be upheld at all costs. It is very important for the left to uphold this narrative. This idea of white vigilante violence is something that we have to wrestle with. And it may not be, uh, be done in one single court case, but we've got a pattern now where white men feel that they have the right to enforce the law themselves. When you look at Ahmaud Arbery, uh, when you look at this case, uh, when you look at Trayvon Martin, when you look at the white mob that attacked the Capitol, that somehow there is a group of people that think that they have the right to take the law into their own hands, they can leave their home with guns, and they can enforce their vision of the law on other people. He was not enforcing his vision of the law on other people. He literally shot these people in self-defense. He was attacked. Okay, but the narrative has to be maintained. That it's white vigilantism. That it's white racism, white supremacy. Amber Ruffin, who I'd never heard of until she started being pushed on Twitter. Uh, she apparently has a show on Peacock, which I guess is NBC's online wing. And, uh, and here she goes. It's not okay for a man to grab a rifle, travel across state lines, and shoot free people, and then walk free. It's not okay for the judicial system to be blatantly and obviously stacked against people of color. It's not okay for there to be an entirely different set of rules for white people. But uh, I don't care about Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't care about that racist judge. And I don't care about how up that jury must be. Uh, white people have been getting away with murder since time began. I don't care about that. I care about you. And uh, I can't believe I have to say this, but you matter. Okay, this sort of rhetoric is, uh, is horrifying. It's horrifying because it's a lie. So first of all, he didn't cross state lines with a gun. Second of all, he didn't just shoot people. Third, the people he shot were white. Fourth, self-defense is a defense that applies to everyone, black, white, and green. Fifth, the notion that she doesn't care about Kyle Rittenhouse is obviously untrue. She's crying about it on national TV. So, no. But again, the, this is the narrative. The narrative is any story can be twisted to fit this narrative, that America is a white supremacist country, and therefore you have to give power to radicals in order to, in order to fix the problem. And this bleeds over into every area of our culture. Remember, it is a wave. Okay, so as I wrote in my book, The Authoritarian Moment, the authoritarianism is coming from, from the institutions. It is coming from the institutions. The left only wants to talk about January 6th, this notion, the, the idea that, that the democracy is about to be overthrown. Every major institution in American life is lying to you right now about cases like Kyle Rittenhouse. Every major institution in American life is lying to you about criminality. Every major institution in American life is willing to twist the fact and falsify the fact and then to penalize you if you refuse to go along with it, to suspend you if you refuse to go along with it, to fire you if you refuse to go along with it. You will be plunking that Black Lives Matter sign down on your lawn or you will lose your job. 
You will definitely not express any support for, for Kyle Rittenhouse's defense. Or you will lose your job. You will not maintain that America is not systemically racist. Or you will lose your job. That is what these folks want. And they will lie to get what they want. And, and again, it's every area. It's not just, you know, your, your media, which is, of course, just a propaganda wing for the Democratic Party. It's, it's cultural figures like Reese Witherspoon. I'm old enough to remember when Reese Witherspoon wasn't entirely politically insane, but now she tweets out crap like this, quote, woke up this morning thinking about every mother, father, sister, brother, friend who's lost someone to senseless gun violence in America. And then there was no justice for their pain. This is a disgrace. Justice for, for whose pain? The child molester attempting to uh, grab a gun from a minor or the guy trying to slam a skateboard into the head of a minor or the guy approaching somebody with a gun to shoot him. Which one of those people, Reese? Hey, how about Mark Ruffalo? This is, Mark Ruffalo is just, my, my God, Mark Ruffalo. He tweeted out, we come together to mourn the lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives. None of these three people were black. None of them. They were all whiter than I am. We come together, says Mark Ruffalo, to mourn the lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives and devalued the lives of Anthony and Jojo. Who the F is Jojo? Is, he, is Jojo referring to Joseph Rosenbaum? a convicted pedophile? Is he literally referring to a convicted pedophile who used the N-word that night and tried to chase down a guy to kill him as Jojo? Maria Shriver tweeted out, I'm trying to take a beat to digest the Rittenhouse verdict. My son just asked me how it's possible he didn't get charged for anything. How is that possible? I don't have an answer for him. Well, first of all, he was charged with stuff. He was then acquitted. Also, your son is 26. At some point, you might want to tell him that he is capable of turning on a television. Um... Also, are you, Maria, trying to take a beat to digest the Rittenhouse verdict? How is it possible that he didn't get charged for anything? Uh, last I checked, your name is Maria Kennedy Shriver, right? Like you're, you are like you're part of the Kennedy family, right? And you're, and Teddy drove a woman into the drink and left her there to drown and then sat in Senate for several terms. So I'm going to go on this one. You might want to like, yeah, cool in on this one. But again, it's every area of the culture. Jalen Rose covering the NBA, talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. You want to know why we're launching into sports here at Daily Wire? One of the reasons we're launching into sports is so you don't have to watch garbage like this from Jalen Rose. Here's the thing. The Black Lives Matter protest was actually taking place because Jacob Blake was shot and killed by police officers. Jacob Blake is alive. <laughs> it's just incredible. It's just incredible. And by the way, again, this is all mirroring the Democratic Party political position. We'll get to that in a second because that's what this is really about. It's about the political hay that is to be made by lying about these things. Period. End of story. We'll get to that in just one second. First, you know, I've been working really hard. That means that I don't always have time to go work out in the middle of the day. So it sometimes hits the evening. I've got the kids to bed. I really need to get a workout in, but I don't have time to, to schlep on over to the gym. And this is when my Echelon comes in unbelievably handy. Echelon brings the gym to you. When you're trying to reach your fitness goals, it can really help to have world-class instructors choreographing classes, music from your favorite artists, a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push. Echelon gives you that. Echelon is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort of your own home. Echelon's fitness app provides you thousands of live non-demand classes with great music. One of the things I like about Echelon, again, I like the competition. I think that it's, it's, a, it's a great motivator to see how you're doing in the class. For example, some of the people are unbelievably good. I mean, I'm not near the top of the class. I'll say that. Echelon's certified fitness instructors are supportive, engaging, and fun, and they know how to get you moving. 
Echelon has a full range of affordable workout equipment, including stationary bikes, smart rollers, sleek fitness screens, and auto-folding treadmill. All are connected to provide the Echelon experience. Right now, for a limited time, podcast listeners get up to $800 off MSRP. To get this exclusive podcast discount, text Ben to 818181. Again, text my name, Ben, to 818181. Get up to $800 off MSRP. Text Ben to 818181. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. All righty. If you missed the Sunday special this weekend, don't miss out. You really should check it out. Why? Because I was joined by my own Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He's taken a firm stance against Joe Biden's unconstitutional vax mandate, just like we did here at Daily Wire. We sat down to make sense of it all. It is truly worth the listen. DeSantis is the most influential governor in the United States at this point. He is the living rebuttal to the left-wing position on everything from criminality to COVID. It, it was a really, I think, fascinating conversation, and Ron is really engaging. Go check it out right now at dailywire.com or on my YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro. Daily Wire members get access to special bonus content from Sunday special episodes. Do not miss out. Join at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 25% off with code do not comply. Also, if you've been worrying about what you're going to get your loved ones this Christmas, I have the answer for you. The Daily Wire merch store. It's here. Yes. After six years of me promising it would come, the Daily Wire merch store has arrived. It is ready to be explored. That's right. Head on over to dailywire.com slash shop to check out the collection of Let's Go Brandon tailgate gear, our poster collection of the Founding Fathers drinking leftist ears, and so, so much more. Anyone can shop at the Daily Wire store. Only Daily Wire members can get special discounts up to 20% off. Members also receive access to shop exclusive merch like the Daily Wire Leftist Tears Tumblr, which holds more leftist tears than the average man knows what to do with. So head on over to dailywire.com slash shop to get a little something for everyone on your list who loves Brandon. And if you're not yet a member, sign up right now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Enter code DW35. You'll get 35% off your membership and all the perks you wouldn't otherwise. That is a hell of a deal. 35% off a membership at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Enter code DW35. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So all of this is a mirror for the Democratic Intersectional Coalition politics. Remember, for the Democratic Party, the biggest thing to know about the Democratic Party over the last 10 years is that they believe in their heart that 2012 is the coalition. It is the winning coalition. And 2012 was a coalition of racial minorities and college-educated white liberals and everybody else. Get out of the way. And that was the 2012 Barack Obama coalition. And Democrats ever since have been attempting to see that coalition as durable. They've been attempting to cobble that coalition together. They believe that that is the coalition that leads them to victory after victory for the rest of time. There's only one problem. It hasn't worked out for them. In 2016, they did really, really poorly. In 2020, they won because Donald Trump was not popular by the poll numbers, but they did not do great in the House and they didn't do unbelievably well in the Senate. And now they're about to get their asses kicked in 2022. But they have to keep doubling down on stupid. They must double down on the intersectional coalition politics which means they are going to continue to take cases like Kyle Rittenhouse, and they are going to continue to trumpet that America is racist because of them. Now, you got to wonder at a certain point why the left keeps choosing cases that are bad. They do, right? They choose the Jacob Blake case, and they just lie about it. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris both got in touch with Jacob Blake and his family, even though Jacob Blake was an alleged rapist who had resisted arrest with a knife. And they, had, they continue to claim that Michael Brown was an innocent black man who was shot by the cops for no reason when... Eric Holder's own DOJ found that's not the truth. Ferguson Grand Jury found that's not the truth. They pick cases specifically where they are in the wrong because if they can make you believe that, they can make you believe anything. It really is what that is. And what they want is a, is a loyalty test in your brain. And the loyalty test goes something like this. You know that the facts are not what the left says they are. 
You know it. You know they're lying. But will you mimic their talking points anyway? Will you maintain their talking points anyway? If so, then you are a member of the cult and therefore off limits and you've bought your freedom. And if you are unwilling to do that, well, then they will come after you. Okay, so the DCCC, for example, put out a statement in the aftermath of the Rittenhouse verdict. And the statement is just insane. Okay, here's what their original statement said. Quote, it's disgusting and disturbing that someone was able to carry a loaded assault rifle into a protest against the unjust killing of Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man, and take the lives of two people and injure another and face absolutely no consequences. It is clear our legal system has one set of rules for some Americans and very different standards for others. People are right to be outraged. They are right to be outraged at the violence that disproportionately hurts people of color and the legal system that fails to hold the violent accountable. Okay, you may notice, can, can you spot the error here? I mean, there are several, but can you spot the error? Go back to the first slide for a second. Okay, the, uh, the, the error is this, okay, in case you missed it. Unjust killing of Jacob Blake, an unarmed black man. Um, not unarmed, not dead. Okay, but got the narrative to preserve. Okay, then Joe Biden put out a statement. So Joe Biden's original statement about the Rittenhouse trial when he was asked, his instinct originally was, well, you know, the jury reached its verdict and really it's none of my business, which is the correct instinct for the president of the United States. Then his people got to him and they said, you need to appeal to the intersectional coalition. You need to say that America's racist, Mr. President. And Joe Biden said, <laughs> so he had just come out of a colonoscopy where they had to remove his head from his ass just so they could get a, get, get a good look inside his colon. And then he immediately shoved his head directly back up his ass and issued this statement, quote, while the verdict in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included, we must acknowledge the jury has spoken. I ran on a promise to bring Americans together because I believe that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. I know we're not going to heal our country's wounds overnight, but I remain, I remain steadfast in my commitment to do everything in my power. Okay, but here's the thing. He promises to unite us. Also, he's very angry at a jury verdict that is obviously correct. Joe Biden. Meanwhile, you get Kamala Harris saying, well, you know, the verdict speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. And what you're supposed to take away from this, that the verdict is bad, obviously. Hey, guys. Well, it was a good trip. And um, I have questions about the verdict. And the verdict really speaks for itself. As many of you know, I've spent a majority of my career working to make the criminal justice system more equitable. And clearly, there's a lot more work to do. Oh, yeah. That, by the way, if you believe that one, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to tell you. That she worked to make the criminal justice system more equitable. You'll recall Tulsi Gabbard finishing her on that in a presidential debate by pointing out that she'd locked up a hell of a lot of black people while smoking pot herself, apparently. And Kamala Harris. And meanwhile, you got the NAACP president, Derek Johnson, maintaining the lie. He says that Kyle Rittenhouse being let off is like Emmett Till. It's like Emmett Till, a 14-year-old black boy who was murdered for not committing a crime in the racist South. You have to be insane to make this comparison. But the left is insane. The jury pool question is a real question that we must embrace in a way in which we increase the number of people who are registered to vote and willing to serve on juries. It was an injustice. This was worse than the Emmett Till trial. This was worse to so many trials where we know for a fact individuals committed murder and yet they were not uh, brought to justice. Wait, uh, it's like Emmett Till? So who's Emmett Till in this little analogy? Would that be the child molester attempting to attack a minor? Or would that be the, the career criminal attempting to attack a minor with a skateboard? Or would it be the guy who's approaching him with a gun? Like, which one of those is like Emmett Till, exactly? Like, I, I love an explication of this. Meanwhile, Al Sharpton, 
who, again, the fact that Al Sharpton is taken seriously in American public life is evidence that America is not only not systemically racist, that if it is systemically racist, it's sometimes in the reverse direction. Al Sharpton is a cretin, and Al Sharpton is a, is a man who is responsible for some of the worst racial conflagrations in American history. Here's Al Sharpton talking about this case, saying vigilantes can kill. Well, I mean, I guess it's at least he's not outside of Freddy's Fashion Mart shouting about the Jews. So I guess that, that's an upgrade, I suppose. They have said now that vigilantes can go to protests and kill people and say that they were defending themselves, which puts all Americans, particularly those that want to protest for whatever issue, in danger. Mm-hmm. From Al Sharpton. Meanwhile, Cori Bush, the BLM congresswoman from Missouri, she tweeted out the judge, the jury, the defendant. It's white supremacy in action. Again, he's not a white supremacist. The system isn't built to hold white supremacists accountable. He's not a white supremacist. It's why black and brown people are brutalized and put in cages while white supremacist murderers walk free. Not a white supremacist. Is she, like, is she just asking to be sued here? I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm heartbroken. Meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick, uh, you, 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 our, our analysis of any issue would not be complete without the backup quarterback who wore pigs on his socks to depict cops sounding off. Here's Colin Kaepernick, who's benched for the immortal Blaine Gabbert because he's such a talented, talented sports figure. He tweeted out as well, did Colin Kaepernick, about this situation. He tweeted, we just witnessed a system built on white supremacy validate the terroristic acts of a white supremacist. This only further validates the need to abolish our current system. White supremacy cannot be reformed. Yes, white supremacy means that you get paid millions of dollars to be a complete buffoon on national TV. And you have, a, you have an entire series made about you on Netflix in which you compare the NFL draft to slavery. By the way, the only case I've ever seen for tearing down our current system is the fact that Colin Kaepernick is a very wealthy person. That is the only case I can think of for why we should tear down the system. Seriously. But here's the thing. This is all part and parcel of a broader narrative, right? The broader narrative, as always, is that America is systemically racist, and that comes with consequences. Okay, so you know that the, the entire intersectional coalition is predicated on the ideology of intersectionalism which essentially suggests that there is a hierarchy of victimization in American life and that people who are, who are members of, of multiple victim groups have higher and better status to speak about the issues than other people. So at the top of the victimology hierarchy right now are LGBTQ people, followed by Black people, followed by Hispanic people. Indian, Native Americans are, are, are somewhere in there as well. Asian Americans depends on whether we're talking about them as a member of the coalition or whether they're trying to get into college. If they're trying to get into college, then they're down at the bottom of the intersectional hierarchy with, uh, with white people, uh, Jews down there as well. You move up and down in the intersectional coalition based on whether or not you are successful in American life. The, the, the less successful a group is, economically speaking and socioeconomically speaking, the more they are, quote unquote, victimized by the system. And if you are an individual from one of those groups who is successful, we just don't consider you part of that group anymore. So if you are a Nigerian-American who is highly successful in the United States, you don't count as black anymore or you are white adjacent or something. And this is according to the intersectional system. Okay, and the, the broader ideology here is the Democratic Party platform. America is systemically evil. America is systemically racist. All of its institutions, all of its institutions are corrupt and terrible. So it is no surprise to see Kimberly Crenshaw, the founder of intersectionality, and the person who coined this term, uh, in a law review article that actually was not as crazy as her, as her ideology would later become. She, uh, she tweeted out, Acquitted. All effing charges. Understand what this means. Well, what it means for Kyle Rittenhouse is that self-defense is still a defense. 
It also means that you're a bad lawyer, so you don't understand how self-defense works. But also, you're just a bad thinker. Because again, the idea from, from Kimberly Crenshaw and company is that America is systemically racist, and that's why Kyle Rittenhouse got off for shooting three white guys. Nicole Hannah-Jones joined in. So Nicole Hannah-Jones has been championed as a great American thinker, which is insane considering that, again, I just don't think she's particularly smart. I think she's a very stupid person. Based on what she tweets out on a regular basis, I can no, I can no longer maintain the, the lie that Nicole Hannah-Jones is in any way a bright person. She tweeted out three weeks ago that we dropped the A-bomb on Japan because of the sunk cost fallacy. Like, she's just adult. So she tweeted out, quote, in this country, you can even kill white people and get away with it if those white people are fighting for black lives. This is the legacy of 1619. So the legacy of 1619 is apparently that if you shoot an, uh, an alleged child molester, not alleged, convicted child molester who's shouting the N-word, that's the legacy of 1619. Okay, and then she goes further. Right, somebody tweeted back at her, Viola Liuzzo and James Reeb can testify to that, said Schwerner and Goodman down the line. Okay, so now she's comparing the people who attack Kyle Rittenhouse to civil rights activists who were murdered in the American South during the civil rights movement. That's a, and, and so Kyle Rittenhouse can shoot them because they were quote unquote pro-Black Lives Matter. Okay, this is the narrative. And by the way, it's now being taught in American schools, as we all know. This is part and parcel of the entire critical race theory project Carlos Lozada over at the Washington Post says, quote, the 1619 Project, which is written by Nicole Hannah-Jones, created by Nicole Hannah-Jones, it's a piece of pseudo-history. It is a lie. He says the 1619 Project started as history. Now it's also a political program. Where are you getting this now, sir? Uh, it's been now since the beginning. It was always a political program. But, says Carlos Lozada, the New York Times celebrated 1619 Project is as intriguing for the second half of its title as for the first. What is the project of this sprawling project? What are not just its principal objectives and messages, but also its underlying methods and objectives? For a work of journalism grounded in the specificity of a single date, there's an elusiveness, almost a malleability pervading the effort. Well, yes, that's, that's the point. They don't want to be pegged down to exactly what they're saying. But the New York Times is pushing it hard. The New York Times Magazine special issue published August 18th, 2019. A broadsheet edition appeared the same day. There's a podcast spinoff, a new lengthy book version, an illustrated children's book. Remember, it's not being taught to your kids. They just made a children's book for the adults. Probably. Says Carlos Lozada. Together, these elements form a powerful and memorable work, one that launched a seismic national debate over the legacy of slavery and enduring racial injustice in American life. It is also a work with a variety of competing impulses, ones that at times can, can confuse and conflict. This is evident in the 1619 Project, A New Origin Story, a book that softens at some of the edges of the prior magazine collection, but transcends its original mission as a historical corrective, informing readers what they now must do or else risk personal complicity in the painful story they have just been told. That's the whole shtick. That's the whole shtick. Here is our narrative. It is filled with lies. Now, believe it and do exactly what we tell you, or you are complicit in the evils of the American system. This is the whole thing. The project's broadsheet declares that the goal of the 1619 Project is to reframe American history, making explicit that slavery is the foundation on which this country is built. Okay, the new book version offers a few interpretations of the overall effort. Nicole Hannah-Jones tries to buy back the idea that this is a sole history of America. But she says it's still truer than the history that we have known. Okay, but this is an activist, it's an activist angle. It is all about activism. They're not trying to hide the ball here. They're making very clear that they want you to do things. 
right? And the things they want you to do are the things they want you to do. They want you to elect progressive prosecutors in cities. They want you to socialistically redistribute income. They want reparations. They want you to believe that every disparity in American life is rooted in a history of American racism maintained by the systems that currently prevail in the United States. Now, again, the, the, the agenda here is absolutely clear. And they're not going to stop with the agenda. And, and it's not just, by the way, people on the right who are noticing this. John McHorder, who is a member of the center left, I think it would be fair to say, writing for the New York Times. He has a piece in the New York Times today. I, I just don't know how long John's going to last over there. The piece is called, Here's a Fact. We're routinely asked to use leftist fictions. And he points out that this is what the left does. They create fictions and then they force you to repeat them. He says, these days, an aroma of delusion lingers with ideas presented to us from a supposedly brave new world that is, in reality, patently nonsensical. Yet we are expected to pretend otherwise. To point out the nakedness of the emperor is the height of impropriety. I suspect the sheer degree to which we are asked to engage in this dissimulation will go down as the hallmark of the era. Do you believe a commitment to diversity should be crucial to the evaluation of a candidate for a physics professorship? Do you believe it's mission critical for doctors to describe people in danger of contracting certain diseases, not as vulnerable or disadvantaged, but as oppressed or made vulnerable or disenfranchised? Do you believe that being diverse does not make an applicant to a selective college or university more likely to be admitted? In some circles these days, you're supposed to say you do. And McCorder points out that there are now physics positions that are being listed at San Diego State University asking for people to show engagement to service with underrepresented populations within the discipline. To have demonstrated knowledge of barriers for underrepresented students and faculty. This is for physics. He's studying how objects move through space. And meanwhile, the AMA has released a guide, the American Medical Association, that urges practitioners to employ a left-leaning glossary in pursuit of, pub of, of public health equity. You're supposed to use equity-focused language that acknowledges root causes. Like, instead of saying that low-income people have a high level of, of coronary artery disease, you're supposed to say, quote, people underpaid and forced into poverty as a result of banking policies, real estate developers gentrifying neighborhoods, and corporations weakening the power of labor movements, among others, have the highest level of coronary artery disease in the United States. This is all insane. Okay, but the insanity is the point. It is the feature, not the bug. If they can force you to accept this, what can't they force you to accept? Now, here's the thing. All of this is going to kill them. They don't understand. It's going to destroy them on the ballot. Okay, the intersectional coalition will not hold. It turns out black people like crime to be outside the city. They don't want to be subjected to crime. They don't care if more black criminals go to jail so long as they are not victimized by black criminals or white criminals or any other criminals. It turns out that Latino people don't wish to be called Latinx. This is not of high priority to them. It turns out that the vast majority of patients are not interested in their doctors giving them a disquisition on Marxist economics. They want to know whether they have gout. It turns out that this is not reality, but the left is pursuing a reality that does not exist, and they demand your fealty. They demand that you mirror whatever their priorities are. And not only that, that you then use the power of law to enshrine their priorities, to reinforce their, to cement those priorities. Right? That you not only believe their bullcrap equity narrative, but that you elect progressive prosecutors who are going to let people out on $1,000 bail to mow down children in a car because racial equity is what, is what matters. This is what the left wants out of the world. They're not going to get it. The backlash is coming. It's coming strong. And if the left wants it, they are going to get it and they're going to get it good and hard. Russ Dudat is a good piece in the New York Times today. 
titled The Diminishing Democratic Majority. He says, if you're a Democrat right now, you can tell yourself a reasonably optimistic story, even in the face of disastrous midterm polling about what the world after 2021 looks like for your party. In this hopeful scenario, inflation is a challenge for a year, but not a decade. Much of the simmering public discontent with the Biden administration reflects an exhaustion with COVID-era abnormalcy. That's the optimistic tale. That would be enough to win Democrats back most of the political advantages they've lost in the last year and go back to worrying about the Electoral College. But the more pessimistic scenario is one in which most of these hopes come to pass and others too, but it doesn't help them. Hey, this is the emerging Republican majority scenario, says Ross Dudat, in which it turns out two of the big political migrations of the Trump era, affluent suburbanites turning more Democratic, working class whites and then Latinos turning more Republican. It turns out the first was temporary and provisional, and the second one is permanent and accelerating. In this possible future, it will become clear Glenn Youngkin's result in Virginia was a bellwether. If there are a lot of suburban voters who will vote for a moderate-seeming Democrat over the Trumpiest Republican, but they'll swing back to the GOP if there's any excuse to do so. Meanwhile, a lot of Obama to Trump voters in rural white America or in Latino areas of Florida and Texas are culturally alienated from contemporary progressivism, which would mean that after Biden, liberals should expect the deluge. So if Republicans can hold themselves back from being stupid, which is always a major question, then Democrats are set to reap the whirlwind. So keep doubling down, guys. Truly, keep doubling down on this. Keep saying that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist and anyone who disagrees is evil and bad. Please keep saying over and over that if you want more criminals in prison, regardless of race, this means that you're a racist. Please, over and over and over again, keep defending child molesters as JoJo, like Mark Ruffalo. Keep doing it. Keep doing it and see what it brings you. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is The Matt Wall Show. It airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Post producer, Justin Barber. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, the jury in the Rittenhouse case gets it right while the media explodes in a blind rage. We'll talk about the fallout from the not guilty verdict today. And a man plows through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin, injuring dozens and killing many. Many aspects of this case make it inconvenient for the corporate media. We'll talk about those facts today. And Fauci officially recommends boosters for all people over 18. Plus, the fight for 15 movement has now become the fight for 25 movement. Who could have seen that coming? We'll talk about all that and much more today on the Matt Walsh Show. (laughs) 